source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 individual but incredibly clear steps in the great plan as laid down by the Salon Star Masters. I'm your host, Davey, and with me as always, cold-blooded co-host. How are you doing, Phil? Hey, I'm doing all right, Davey. Uh, and with us today, uh, we have a special guest uh, coming from 14 hours in the future. We have RG. How are you doing, sir? Very good, thanks. Yeah. Uh, today, we're going to be talking Starblood Stalkers, and specifically uh, in the context of uh, some of the online events that uh, RG here has uh, played in and uh, and triumphed over. Uh, so we'll be breaking down his deck, uh, why uh, why we think uh, they're in a good spot, and uh, any adjustments and things to be looking for going forward. Uh, context, it is uh, just past the new year. We still don't know anything uh, new about black powder, but we're, we're looking forward to hearing about that big piratey ogre. We'll uh, kind of jump through some of our early steps here uh, for community shout outs. Anybody got anything they, uh, they want to uh, shout out as far as uh, content you've uh, heard in the com- community or, or some such? Uh, I can say uh, I just listened to uh, Path to Glory. They are back uh, after not quite, but close to a couple months off. Uh, Well-deserved after that huge flurry of content they uh, crushed out right as uh, Harrow Deep released. But uh, Ahmad's got uh, Nick on, and they kind of break down where they think the meta is and and talk about some of the uh, top eight decks from uh, the Vassal Clash here, Vassal Clash 10. Is that correct? Vassal Clash 10, RG? Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Okay. Um, and so if you want another take, uh, you can get theirs. I'm about halfway through it, so I haven't actually got to where they break down your deck yet. So I'll get to uh, <laughs> listen to uh, their thoughts on this from another perspective. <laughs> um, so, uh, And then I also wanted to uh, give a uh, shout out to uh, Lethenum, who hopped on to uh Gives a little feedback uh, as far as uh, our breakdown, uh, some of our speculation about these. He uh, he pointed out some stuff on uh, on Discord that uh, I think we'll cover here today. Uh, but uh, one of them was that uh, is actually two events. You you participated in uh, straight out of Shadespire as a webcam, uh, and that was a uh, Highlander event, which is something we didn't notice. So uh, yeah, yeah. Are the fact that we were marveling that there were no duplicates is uh, less surprising <laughs> in the context <laughs> yeah. of straight out of Shadespire. So. And I guess while we're on shout outs, we should shout out to Valentine for, for organizing that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Appreciate that from all, him. All the people who've been keeping stuff organized. Yeah. Um, well, uh, in the meantime, uh, we know you've been doing some online events. What what, uh, what else have you been up to, RG? No, that, that's it. Kids that's work. That's about it. <laughs> It's enough. That's a that's a healthy uh, healthy dose. Um, the uh, am I understanding correctly? The uh, the uh, Vassal Clash itself. There was a one day of best out of three play, and then uh, a cut to top four, and those were kind of scheduled as possible. Or is that how is that? Uh, yeah. So the, the the first day is best of three, four rounds of best of three, and and it generally the second day is. Uh, the top four or eight cut mm-hmm. um but i don't think many people played the second day in this case um and at the end of the the, the first cut i actually came in fifth so i didn't make the top four mm. um and somehow i think mad angry couldn't schedule a game with um with heretic 
so so he dropped out, which is which is why yeah I ended up playing Heretic again. And that's not uh, that's not unheard of um, for that to have seen. We've seen that happen in uh, some physical events as well. Uh, Matt Angry was running crushes. Is that correct? He was, yeah, okay. yeah. Right. But he, he's in South Korea, so his time difference is even worse than mine. <laughs> oh man! All right, we'll loop back around to that in a sec. Phil, what have you been up to? Uh, well, not not a whole lot since we last spoke. Um, just been doing holiday stuff for the most part, but we are going to be jumping back into our community league here coming up this next week. And I'm looking forward to wrapping that up. We've got just a couple weeks left, so we're going to be into the finals here pretty soon. Um, and that should be pretty, pretty fun to see what shakes out. Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately am working for both the, the next, uh, so you're going to no, have to be no. the, the banner bear for us uh, yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> But uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm at the bottom looking up in that thing anyway. So, <laughs> uh, sure. But uh, glad we're able to do that. All right, but let's jump into it. We're here for uh, we're here for the Starblood Stalkers. So, uh, RG, we've talked a little bit about those events. Uh, can you give us a quick breakdown of uh, let's talk uh, let's talk in the context of the Vassal Clash? You uh said four rounds best of three what uh what did you play against in that uh day one uh before going to the cut so day one i think honestly i had all the well in some ways the luck in this um my first opponent was supposed to be uh chad the he was playing he was running the cunning crew uh he turned up 20 minutes late so Mm. i basically got a buy for the first round Okay. Um, my second opponent was Etienne, and he was playing the Reavers. So as you can imagine, that was a very uh, bloody affair. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was running things like uh, you know, Berserker Rage, Punching Up, and Mighty Swing, all those those uh, those good killing lizards cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bunch of uh, knockout knockout blows I, that's the kind of game that's kind of over uh over quick one way or the other often i don't know if that was your experience well it we had we did have three games i won oh, okay. first 18 17 so it was really close the second he won and the third game was 21 all uh jeez oh, oh, so won by standing on uh on a object on an objective so wow. yeah it was yeah it, <laughs> It was right. really close. That's cool. Um, uh, so my the next matchup was against uh, Crushes. I was mad angry. Okay. Uh, and it was basically just played two games with him. Uh, two games. Yes. And, yeah, I won both. So, um, okay. Was his uh, crushes? Was it uh, a brawler, or was it also looking to uh, stand on some objectives? So he had a bit of a he had a bit of a mix. So he, in his deck, he had a bit. I think he had scant re, re, uh, resources and making a statement mm-hmm. and things like that as well. So got it, boss. What now? What he had as well. So it so, was a bit of a, a bit of a mix of both. So um, got it, boss. Being a, a surge for. Uh, holding one in enemy territory and what now is for a search for holding two, basically the like old yeah. hidden purpose. Okay. Yeah. 
those those are the ones. Right. So he had a bit of a mix of both. Um, yeah, I, I guess making a statement's a bit bit hard for him to score uh, against me. I did did talk to him through the game, and he said he said surprisingly he's he scored that a few times um, during the the tournament. So mm. um, I guess when everyone's running. Uh, scant resources and flipping everything back over, <laughs> making a statement's a bit easy. Um, but then the next one, I played Heretics Rothgorn, mm. and uh, yeah, I think he smashed me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So we, we played two games, and he won both. Um, and we were at that point the only two, I guess, undefeated players in the I tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so after losing that, that put me into fifth place for the the full tally. And when uh, Mad Angry then dropped, because I think he, he made it to fourth, um, then I had to play uh, Heretics Rothcorn again. Oh, so, right. <laughs> so back to back against uh, Rothcorn. Oh, wow. that was that was pretty scary. So, <laughs> were there, uh, you know, so this is uh, this I imagine uh, maintains the uh, maintains the rules of a physical event where you would uh, you're not changing your deck between rounds. So, uh, what kind of adjustments did you make coming in, uh, knowing that you just gotten beat zero to two? Um, so, I, I guess there was a few things you, you learned during during the first games. Um, and I guess I, I think my first game with him, he just charged directly into into Kixi Taka and killed him. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so that was probably my bad. I hit him a little bit better, um, and he he had this good plan away that as soon as he drops the the trap, uh, if you have a skink nearby, he'll hold on to um, hypnotic buzz and push you straight in. Mm. Um, so I think both games he got me with that. So I was quite wary, I guess, the next game of not allowing that, those type of little things. Uh, and then, yeah, if you drop the trap, I'll just jump jump away or something like that. Um, but I think the, the, biggest, the biggest impact and probably what did allow me to win against him the second time is Soultooth Net. Ah. Uh. Um, and now Soultooth Net, for somebody who might not be familiar, uh, lay that one out for us real quick. It's a, it's a range two, three sword, um, one damage attack. Um, if this attack action succeeds, give the target one charge token. Uh, you can reroll one dice in the attack action if the target has one or more move charge tokens uh, after making this attack discard this card. So it's one damage and they get a charge token. So games two and three, I hit him with a Soultooth Net probably round one or two so really early on mm. and it just it it stopped him from um inspiring for an extra round for instance uh which was which is quite quite big for rothgorn uh, oh absolutely with an extra uh, because if it stops him from inspiring then even as he's sitting there locked down it means the uh rest of the fighters are you know, even for what little they do, uh, they're they're still operating at, at uh, a little bit under strength. Yeah. Um, yeah, and not only locking out Rothgorn, but often those decks will have a ton of cards that are uh, are put in there in order to leverage him. So then he's 
you know, sitting on cards. If he's got something like commanding stride, it's basically not doing a lot for him because he's got a charge token sitting on that guy. So yeah, yeah, uh, you're yeah, you're locking yeah. out the figure and you're locking out a bunch of cards for a round. Yeah, he definitely had commanding stride coming after me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, so we did we did go to another three games. Uh, well, we went to three games in the in the final. He he won the first. Um, second, I won because of Saltooth Net. I would say just locking him out for an entire round. And I think the second round, um, Otopatil also hit him with his with his his blow darts. So Ooh. gave yeah. him a move to- token. <laughs> <laughs> so one round of, of charge token, one round of move token really slowed him down. Oh, yeah, that's brutal. And the last game, again, hit him with a, the soul tooth net, I think beginning of first or second round, um, which just delayed his inspiring. Uh, but even, even so, he was able to come back, and that game was 19-19. Ooh, um, <laughs> Uh, wow. Another one for uh, standing on an objective, and and the worst part is, I mean, in his case, he charged me with uh, luggage and thwack. Um, so he charged me with luggage and thwack. I had a little skink on an objective, and I think one of his things with luggage and thwack is if you miss, or hang on, if if there are fewer successes in the attack roll than the defense roll, you can push the target one hex. Mm-hmm. So. If he had greater than than my or my successes or less than my successes, he would have pushed me. But yeah. we both rolled nothing. Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but, yeah. So that I, was yeah. I think that's there's that scenario, or if he rolls one success and you roll one crit, there's, there's very few circumstances where Luggett and Thwack don't move you off of where you are. Well, that's got to be heartbreaking. Oh, exactly. So yeah. Who did you get to uh, earn a game with in the uh, finals then? What, what did you uh, line up against? So then I got to play uh, a Graham or Compaq with his headcrackers. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, he's an amazing player. So the last time I played him was in, in the, one of the, the Vassal League finals and he absolutely destroyed me. Um, but that was his his aggressive uh, headcracker deck, which is mm. which is what I expected. But he came in with a um, a hold objective headcracker deck, which <laughs> interesting. Which, which was okay. yeah, it was it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, but it probably it probably was countered very well by my deck. Mm. Um, so I think initially he chose to take the three objectives. Um, and I longboarded him. Um, so yeah, I, I guess he couldn't come, come, well, well, he was just going for the objectives and he didn't come in and charge well, he, he, mm-hmm. he, with all these, all these, uh, all these orcs, like he would do in an, in an aggressive deck. Yeah. But with, with cards like, I guess, confusion and things like that, you, you can, you know, flip onto the objectives helping sure. score those dominant position type cards um, and deny his, his scoring, for instance. Um, but yeah, that, that game only went to, to two games. The second game, he started with him stealing, uh, <laughs> stealing my first glory with, uh, what's that card? Um, oh, Daylight Robbery? 
deadlock robbery. Oh no! <laughs> uh, and it was the worst because I had uh, lion weight and I just needed one upgrade so I can score uh, to to put a quarry mm-hmm. upgrade oh, onto someone yeah. so I could yeah. score. Yeah. So I couldn't score anything in the end of the uh, end of the first round. Oh man! And, and he just took off, but I, I I think the second and third round, I think think he's just dice just left him and again i had some really good luck especially when he's charging with um was it tooth dagger <laughs> for five dice he gets two crits against uh Kixi Taka, and i roll two crits back <laughs> <laughs> and then charge Kixi Taka uh, or someone and roll three crits <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you can't change the dice, the dice yeah. sometimes. But that oh, was wow. a really, really close game. I think, I think if the dice sort of didn't didn't betray him, basically, I think he did a, a mighty swing with Tooth Dagger and, mm-hmm. and all the, all his dice, and he didn't hit anything both times oh. or something like that. Oh, That's something wow. ridiculous. Oh. So, so he probably would have taken that game. Mm. Uh, just if the dice helped helped him a little bit more, because uh, it was only like fifteen thirteen in the end of it, so uh, mm. it was fairly close. Uh, and that's no joke. Uh, he like like you said, he's he's played that warband a bunch. Uh, he's he wrote one of my my favorite articles of uh, in recent memory. I think he was up on uh, set the tempo did uh, did an article about uh, uh, about the headcrackers mob. Um, it, it will now be about one season out of date, but uh, there's some really good thoughts in there that uh, I think are, are worth reading regardless. So, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I did read right. that one, yeah. <laughs> Especially after after he smashed me <laughs> the last time I won. But yeah, it's, he's, he's a very good player. He knows what he's doing, so. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's that's kind of your route through. Uh, so people have an idea of uh, where some of these uh, where some of this is coming from. We're gonna we're gonna wind it all the way back now uh, and go to uh, when you were getting ready for this event. What what made you decide uh, that the the war band you were gonna take uh, was gonna be Starblood? Is this is this a thing where you've been playing these for a while, or is it uh, more of uh, you thought they're the right fit for the current meta. What what were your thoughts there? <laughs> Honestly, I was I was playing. Um, Who's the 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 sea elves? Um, mm, the soul raid. The soul raid. That's, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was I was playing them in the league. And actually, no, I was I was, I was playing the Starblast Orcs up until uh, um, Harrow Deep hit, and then I switched mm-hmm. over to the. Uh, to the soul raid um but i wasn't doing as good as i, I would have liked mm. and and if if i hadn't done maybe a little bit better then i would have stuck with the soul raid to be honest but then then i kind of went back to the drawing board and and i kind of had a look at the the cards in harrow deep as a whole and you know had a bit of a think as to what i really wanted to do because i i couldn't at that time see an objective holding deck doing anything. Mm. Um, but then thinking about it, uh, with the the disappearance of Mischievous Spirits, Restless Prize, Nightmare in the Shadows, Distraction, end of phase hold objective cards are really difficult to stop. So my deck is basically 
mostly end of object, uh, end of round objective cards, just holding objectives, mm-hmm. and all the surges are just something or easy things, um, for instance. But but yeah, on that thought, I, I also didn't want to go on a, an, an aggressive um, attacking warband either because everyone else was doing it. So I just wanted to do, sure. <laughs> change it up, really. Jackson, yes. So I mean, almost like a little bit of a, a meta counter pick. Um, you know, it can be a thing. Like you said, there's if uh, if nobody's expecting people to be holding objectives, then uh, you may see less of that disruption uh, there's already they're already thin on the ground like you said with the mm. distraction rotating out and they may be even more so uh, depending so and also i mean i, I just like the lizardmen so <laughs> i really sure. enjoy playing them so phil's got yeah. you there yeah yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> well uh let's let's get into it let's get into the uh the warman as as a whole uh phil some of the uh just briefly you want to hit us with some of those core mechanics uh yeah. that they have that um if you haven't played Starblood, you should keep in mind that uh, this is the context which uh the the warband is going from yeah so so they i'd say core mechanics so things that are sort of shared throughout the entire warband um there's nothing that's truly universal but there's two things that they have that are fairly common across most fighters So for their inspiration, um, all of the skinks inspire from holding three objectives at the end of an activation. So there is a bit of a timing thing that you can do there to block that for a little while. But, um, you know, now that we have Delve, um, it slows it down a little bit. But basically, if they get on three, all the skinks are flipping. Mm. Um, And then... Uh, Clackchuck, the big guy, he just has to get a hit. So it's um, very similar to Magor's Fiends, um, where it's just land a hit, then you're inspired. So he is likely to be a little more aggressive, um, or at least he can be. You can kind of use him as a distraction too. Um, And then they also have the ability Skittish on three of the Skinks. Um, So it's all the ones that are not the Chameleon or your leader. And after an opponent's power step, you can use a reaction to push them away from an enemy fighter that's within two hexes. It doesn't specify that it has to be away from all, so you can pick which one you want. So you can have your move be as advantageous as it needs to be. Um, You can kind of set yourself up uh, to do some silly stuff with this. I think skittish is probably the thing to keep in mind the most with this warband, um, because that, that repositioning can be... A real bear uh, if you're not prepared for it i'd say it's maybe my least favorite thing about playing against them because i <laughs> i get a headache trying to think of all the ways that skittish is going to burn me do you find skittish yeah. coming up a lot for you rg I, I use it all the time i love it i love the mechanic <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's really the sort of secret sauce for these guys uh, if you can't take advantage of it you're probably not playing them as well as you could be so yeah uh, probably something to be thinking about and then the only other thing that i would mention is that they do have four hunters and one innate quarry and that is pretty pretty rare uh innate quarry is not something that we see very often so uh they are likely to be taking advantage of that we already (laughs) heard rg you were mentioning that you were trying to take advantage of having uh lion weight 
with that innate quarry and then an upgrade. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't get that upgrade out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so something you'll likely see is that they'll be running quarry tech. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the innate quarry is very rare. It's just them and uh, the uh, dread pageant, I believe. I don't think yeah. anyone yep. else. None, none that I can think of outside of those two. Everyone that Crossborn's playing against, but. <laughs> Well, sure. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, That's kind of the overall. And then uh, give us a a one sentence breakdown, maybe on each of these fighters, and then we'll uh, jump into the deck here. Yeah. All right. So you got Kixitaka, the leader. Um, So this this guy's special deal is that he's got an action to flip a feature token that's within three hexes. And or he can deal one damage to a fighter who's adjacent to a a feature token within three hexes so you can kind of get some sneaky ping damage in there although i don't really ever end up using that but i'm sure it could come up and what about you or did you uh, how often did you find yourself using that special action <laughs> i don't think i've ever used it actually <laughs> i yeah. keep reminding myself to use it but i forget about it so <laughs> oh man yeah it's funny because I, I see it on the card and you always you know you see some ability like that and uh i don't know for me my instinct is to think about like the best case scenario i'm like oh man somebody all you know stacked up with defense and uh they're right there and you just ping them but i guess uh yeah (laughs) i guess uh it's uh corner enough that you won't necessarily remember it but uh yeah who else i guess okay the only other thing is just to note that he does have two different attack profiles there's one that's range two with his stick that's the better one and then he also has a range three shot as well that's quite accurate so mm-hmm. sometimes if all he needs is a push that range three attack can come out and that's uh actually pretty accurate so it can be a bit surprising uh then we got the big guy clack truck he just hits hard he's got a three damage attack base and then he also has a reaction attack that he can always take after his activation so um sometimes you're just dealing with extra bites all over the place sort of like the uh the wolves a bit um but that's about it he's he's just sort of a bruiser he's slower than the rest of the warband though so something to keep in mind uh and we got Huachi. he's the spear skink um he's sort of your best skink attacker i guess uh of the three little dangle bro skinks um He's the one of the two that's got a shield, so he's on block defense. You got Tak, who's got the blow dart, who's not a chameleon. Uh, not much else to say about that. Just <laughs> he's a he's a blow dart. Uh, it's not very good. It's not very accurate, but you do what you can. Uh, and then Shepik, the other shield guy. Um, again, not a whole lot else to say about him. Uh, those are the three that have skittish. So if you don't know their names, those are the three. Uh, and then Autopodal, the Chameleon Skink, he is base 2 dodge, goes up to 3, so he's very hard to hit. And his Blow Dart attack, as we already mentioned, does give a move token on a success, so it can be backbreaking if he manages to hit. But he only hits on crits, so uh, something else to keep in mind there. Mm. That's the Warband. There's there's the breakdown. Uh, and as we often do with decks, we we start by talking objectives and you've already kind of given us the, the core 
philosophy of your objective deck, which is that you're going to score uh, in the end phase for holding objectives. Uh, and then you've got some surges to kind of make that happen along the way. So I'm going to, I'm going to run down uh, your end phase objectives here. We're actually going to start with that since that's your stated, and then we'll uh, go from there. So uh, you've got uh, scant resources. I think I'm going to start with that. That's that uh, has gotten uh, its value has gone up and we've talked about that some in a previous episode. And this is, it's actually, it's a hybrid, uh, cause it can be scored in two ways. It's the, uh, if all objectives are held, uh, on the board, whether it's by yours or, or somebody else, or if all glory points are spent, uh, most of the time I've, I see it being scored with the former. Did, did you find much, uh, often that it was uh, scored by the latter and then uh, how often did you find people like playing against this with um you know uh, flipping something and stepping away or getting a, a beast onto something uh and uh having them stand on it? so they've they've uh, flipped it but don't count as holding it because they have that beast status i think how i think everyone's trying to score it so <laughs> everyone's trying to flip it uh you know into onto a you know, the, the objectives onto cover hexes, to gloom mm. hexes, so uh, to give them the extra um, defense as well. So I think it's such an easy score unless you, for instance, kill someone because what I've found is most people, when, when they before they leave an objective for a charge or something, they actually flip it and then they charge. Mm. Um, so, and most people actually had it in their decks uh, I think that I was against, apart from maybe uh, the Reavers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if everyone's gone for it, then you're going to get it eventually. <laughs> it it is. Uh, it feels a little like uh, was it escalation back in the uh, the Shadespire <laughs> days, which was uh, uh, mm -hmm. score two if three upgrades had been put out during the round, where it was just everybody's playing it, and uh, you were just trying to figure out the timing on it so <laughs> exactly. uh, i you know it, it might be a thing that we see uh rotate out of more decks as we see more cards and then people have some options some some maybe better options out there where they they say okay uh you know i'm going to take something else and then i will i will try to deny it because i've got something else good for me mm. um you do have uh a couple good standbys here. Dominant position is is a defining card. This is the the hold more uh, for two, um, and then uh, path to victory, a, a great one, which is hold two objectives and have taken uh, have one enemy fighter have gone out of action um, in the previous round. So those just feel like real staples. Um, dominant position is kind of this era's supremacy in in early. Underworld's uh, supremacy is what you took if you wanted to try to score uh, off of holding objectives in the end phase, and this this feels like that. Any other uh, thoughts on those two? No, not really. Did, did you ever struggle <laughs> to, to find that kill for Path to Victory? Did it ever feel like it put you in a, a weird spot or uh, pretty solid? Um, probably. I actually can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Fair so enough. If you, if you, against crushes, I guess it's 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 hard. So mm -hmm. I probably would have just ditched it <laughs> and not thought about it, uh, mm -hmm. again. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I can't actually remember to be honest, Fair. <laughs> but, but generally I, I, I think most games you, you I, I score most of the cards anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah. Uh, here's one that you sort of uniquely adapted to uh, with this is uh, Lion Weight. And you referenced that earlier, and this is a hybrid score. Uh, if you uh, have uh, three or more friendly hunters are holding objectives uh, or two or more friendly fighters are holding objectives and each is a quarry. Uh, so this is Autopodal plus one upgrade gets you there. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I like about this, th- so there's a, there's, there's always a lot of debate about this card. If you have three people holding, but only two are quarries, uh, where does that leave you? Uh, how often do you find yourself scoring it with a hunter variation? Probably a little less because holding three can be pretty tricky. Um, but um, uh, I, I think I did score it with a hunter variation once mm. in in the tournament. But generally, I, I think I scored it every single time with uh, with a quarry mechanic, uh, which yeah. is obviously much easier and cards like outrun death and you mm-hmm. know all the quarry mechanic are for upgrades for, for mm-hmm. helping quarries is providing quarry mechanic is is makes it much easier to score yeah um, i was actually worried about taking this card in the beginning but it 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 was quite easy to score <laughs> so I yeah have no regrets it's, now so and even uh, in hero deep it's it's uh, easier than it was in uh a dire chasm because if you do have somebody who's not fulfilling the criteria you know you got if you manage to get two quarries but you also ended up with somebody else on one you can just delve that over to make sure that one's protected so mm. um, that uh, keeps you safe there yeah and i, and yeah. I, I think i think even the way i scored the um the hunter mechanic one was was mm-hmm. putting the soul tooth net onto clack truck oh, <laughs> oh nice all right <laughs> and <laughs> And using burst from the shadows to to push him onto an objective. Oh, I love that. That's um, a... so so that that type of uh, thing was used, uh, you know, quite a bit to actually push Clack Trock um, mm-hmm. into positions where you know you wouldn't expect because suddenly he can just push uh, up to two, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's right <laughs> right. right in your oh, face. Right. Yeah, mm. brutal. Mm. Uh, uh, you've got uh, balance the cosmic equation. This is a hybrid score. This is an end phase. If uh, there are uh, two or more enemy fighters out of action, or the warband uh, holds more objectives than any other warband, so hybrid. Uh, but it's two things that you are kind of trying to. You're trying to get some kills there. Uh, what I like about this kind of card, the payoff is only one glory. But uh, you could be playing against a swarm more band, in which case relatively easy, or uh, or it just plays into what you're trying to do already with dominant position. This is a this is a star blood only. Um, so. Was this uh, was this an early inclusion, or did you look at any other uh, options on this uh, for for this slot? Well, that one that one I kept flipping between different cards, like the greater hunt having four mm. or more um, hunters. Um, but it just ran with the the story of the objectives I'm trying to score. Uh, mm-hmm. Just hold objectives in the end phase. So it just made sense, I guess. Sure. Um, uh, your last end phase one is uh, Underdog, and this one is pretty familiar to folks. It's a two glory. You'll score it if your opponent has more... Uh, three more objectives completed than you, or uh, if your opponent has the primacy counter. Um, did that feel fairly reliable, or uh, was it more just in there as a as a hey things are not going ideal, uh, and I'm uh, I get to catch up. You do have the you do have the the skinks in there that uh, may or may not make it. 
yeah, it's, uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of both. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it works in that kind of way. I guess sure. you, you score it most of the time, but uh, uh, yeah, because I'm 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 normally getting killed, being being little skinks, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and the way I play this deck, I'm not really um, generally attacking. So so all the skinks are just sitting back trying to hold objectives, and Clactrox basically the enforcer um, trying to get rid of the the enemy yeah. um and then maybe huachi comes in or, or kixi taka for a as a backup i guess um so yeah yeah so uh we'll uh, we'll run through your surges here and then uh we'll talk what other things you might have considered uh some outliers so uh you have what i'm seeing is a lot of surges that are real easy to score. Uh, so I see, uh, instinctive tactics. This is a surge for having, uh, your after your second or subsequent reaction in a round. And given that you have skittish clack bite, uh, and we haven't really gotten into your power cards. Uh, but there's, there's plenty of ways to, uh, generate reactions from the warband in general. Um, there is astro matrix alignment, which is, uh, flip uh, a feature token in enemy territory and by feature token it could even just be you could flip a a gloom over onto a gloom um uh so you you could be doing this with uh that ability or just by uh, standing on something uh everything to prove which uh is well established that this is uh uh one of the the best surges in the game so right now we're on three for three that uh don't need a whole lot uh, contest that equals this is the surge uh, after a failed attack and it can be from the enemy or from yourself uh, if there's the same number of successes uh, in each of the attack and defense roles uh, and so those those four seem right off the bat kind of uh, if they're not going smoothly then something kind of crazy is going on uh, as did you you I imagine those at first glance, those look like the the um, the smoothest of any of them for you. It's really really hard for them to be denied, uh, and they often don't take a, a ton of effort or or none from you. Um. <laughs> well, unless I can't pick up any any upgrades, you can't deny silver lining either. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but no, I think I think honestly, all of them were really really easy to score. Mm. Um, I mean, reckless swing. I was a bit worried about taking it initially because uh, I didn't actually want to go and charge but you couple the reckless swing with dark sacrifice Amiga's offering um, maybe just a, a sidestep um, or or if you've got an upgrade uh, like a impressive bulk or um, unfeeling resilience or great fortitude uh, it just slows down the enemy because let's say they got two damage to do two damage then they have to attack you twice kill you or use great strength or something like that sure so but reckless it, swing being where you uh, uh it's a surge for one and you have to make an attack where the enemy has uh one one more supporting fighter than you so that's the one that, that it, it being something that theoretically is putting you in a, in a tough position did you ever find it was uh a challenge to make sure you had a fighter with a range one to score this. Uh, you just have some <laughs> different ranges in this, or, or uh, is clack truck always just kind of reliably there for you? No, I, I think one of my games against, uh, 
Etienne, I, I, uh, I wasted a, a distraction pulling Garrick, I think, closer to Kixi Taka to score uh-huh. this card. He's <laughs> 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 a range two. And then someone pointed out, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, and then by that time <laughs> I had no one. No one that was range um, range one left, but all, all other times was was fairly easy, I think. Yeah, unless you get it maybe right at the end of the game, that's probably the only time when when it's more difficult to score. Um, and then I guess the other one I wanted to specifically you, you mentioned silver lining, uh, still feeling pretty reliable for you. I, I find the, uh, often newer players when they're building decks will will find this card kind of. Uh, uh, counterintuitive or, or confusing how often do you is it is it just in there for those uh those hands where you, oh, i drew heavy on upgrades uh, this will help dig me out of there or do you ever find yourself like drawing specifically towards it like yeah uh, I'm, I'm, i need to fish for one more upgrade to get this uh, <laughs> every <help>. time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every time that's probably the the the, the card that i struggled with the most to score mm-hmm. out of all of these mm-hmm. uh silver lining so it's just just trying to draw cards Sure. <clears throat> uh, well, but it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, I guess, because um, most of the time, especially with the new the new board changes, mm. um, everyone gets their little little share of a long board. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so that gives you it, something to do when you're long boarded. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I guess I can just draw some extra cards as well while I'm while I'm waiting. Yeah, um, sure. Which which helps out with that. So I think yeah. that's kind of what happened in most of my games. Um, just sit back and draw some cards. Uh, so Phil, you're you're a resident Starblood guy. You, you looked this over, and it's a deck that's done quite well. But uh, did you have any thoughts on cards that you you were uh, you would have were surprised to not see, or curious about their absence, or just about the thought process on how we landed on one and not and not another? Yeah, I think I think most of all of this makes plenty of sense. I don't think there's anything wrong with any of these choices. I guess one thing that I almost always include, and I I think I know why you didn't take it, but plan. I'm curious. <laughs> the great is. plan, yeah, yeah. Why why not the great plan? I love that card, but I don't. I can't get the balance right of of hybrids and and duels to put it in. Yeah, uh, that, that's kind of what I figured. Yeah, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. Couldn't do it, so basically that's when uh, I think Lion Wade came. I just swapped mm. it for that. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't know if there's any other duels that that are easy to score. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was out. funny because the the first thing I did when I looked at your deck was uh, I kind of scrolled down to see Underworld's DB has the breakdown of this many hybrids, this many duels. I was like, oh, only one duel. He's really uh, being risky with the great plan, and then <laughs> scrolled up and like it's not even there. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the one that I'm running right now to try and keep it in is Primal Display, but then you have to be a little more aggressive because you do have to get that kill and you have to get primacy from the kill. Mm. Um, so not super reliable. You're having to go more flex. Um, mm. One that could be used that i also have a question for you if you've considered the card because this is one that was actually suggested to us uh from a few episodes back or maybe it's just someone making an offhanded comment but path of order is a new objective just for order which is uh, a duel where you score in the end phase if your warband holds two or more objectives and two or more enemy fighters are out of action so it's like path to victory 
but the timing's a little different on the kills. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be too keen. I'd, I, the whole the whole point of the deck is is run away and hide. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to be out aggressively trying to kill things if I can. Mm, um, right. So, so I don't want, for instance, Clacktrock to die before I've scored Path to Victory. Mm. Um, yep. Or or anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that, and I can see that one being pretty challenging if uh, you, you're up against crushes, like getting getting two crushes dead. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, really it's tough. Really you'd have to change the whole deck if you want to do sure. put that in, for instance. Um, yeah, I mean, Path of Order is one that I I have not included yet. It's one that I want to try just to see how it plays, but my my gut feeling is that it's going to be tough, so I haven't used it either. Um, by the third yeah, round, ahead. you might not have two skinks left. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. You may not be able to hold two. Um, the only other thing, and I saw this in your uh, the other tournament list that you had, uh, you had making a statement in there, and I've been messing around with making a statement a little bit as well. Uh, why not in this deck, but in that one? I didn't. I didn't think about it at all. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I probably, on on second thought, I probably wouldn't have put it in anyway in a in a best of three because then people yeah. would start um, countering it, and I definitely wouldn't have scored it against some some of the players I went against anyway. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But because straight out of Shades Pie is a best of one, I, I put it in. Ah. Um, I only, only sort of realized about it uh, when I was playing Mad Agri. He had it in his deck, and that's the only time I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've i just been, you know, toying with it a little because it was like, oh, you know, hold all of the objectives. Well, you know, if your opponent only has the one because you flipped one, maybe it's easy. But I think... I think people have caught on to this at this point. I'm probably going to be rotating it out, like you say. And best of three, especially, even if they don't know about it, they're only going to get caught off guard once, right? So yeah. uh, yep. you, can't, you can't rely on that. <laughs> but I think those are the only things that I... Yeah, those are the only ones that I w- thought are other things to consider. And like you say, you would probably have to change the, the play style a little bit. And I think... It is worth mentioning that like this warband can be pretty flexible in how aggressive they are. Uh, you can go completely passive and just hold objectives, or you can be a very you know middle of the road mix, or you can you know lean a little more heavily into using some of the things like punching up and stuff to try and make the skinks uh, effective uh, missiles. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I did did last vessel clash. I went more you know, into little, little missile skinks. Mm. Um, but I just tried something different this time. So, yeah. So that's, that's where the, uh, that's where the glory is coming from. Uh, and that total, uh, glory count on the deck is 17. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. We, we, you know, the traditional is that you, you lay down your objectives and you support them with your power cards. Uh, one thing that uh, jumps out right away is it's a 22, uh, 22 card power deck. Um, and I was about to ask about, you know, why the extra, but then I see right away, you've got the, you've got two sources of card, right? You got dual of wits, 
um, important because it's a reaction it can help you out there. And then dark sacrifice. And this is, uh, this is one that's out of arena mortis, right? This is a, uh, play after a, a gambit or attack action, uh, that, uh, takes a friendly fighter out of action and you draw two power cards. So you have two, two reactions, each drawing two power cards to kind of fill your hand up, makes silver lining a little potentially easier. And, uh, mm. also makes, uh, instinctive tactics a little easier. Um, is that, is that a philosophy you do in general is, uh, go up to 22, take a couple of card draw things or, um, uh, is that, how, it, how did you it, land on that as your, as your, uh, your it, kind of quantities? It completely depends on the story of the objectives. Mm. Uh, and how I'm playing the deck. In in this case, because I'm hanging back, drawing mm. cards, holding objectives, I tend to run out of cards at the end of the game. Mm. Um, so if I had 20 cards, I'd most games run out of cards. And the worst worst thing is running out of a side, you know, needing a sidestep when you don't have one at the end of the game. Sure. Um, so... One you, one you did miss is, I guess, Silent Ring. So, you know, oh, if, yeah. if you're drawing uh, four cards from Jewel of, Jewel of Wits and Dark Sacrifice and maybe a couple from, from Silent Ring and during the game I'm drawing a, a couple of cards anyway, mm-hmm. um, I end up running out. So, mm-hmm. sure. so that's one of the philosophies of 22 cards in the specific deck. The, the, the other is, I guess... When you think of the point of running 10 and 10, it's statistically you get the better chance of, of getting the better cards. For mm-hmm. instance, if, if you had uh, ready for action, for instance, in the deck, statistically you had better chance of getting ready for action. But in, mm-hmm. this, in this case, I don't care what cards I get. Any cards will <laughs> help me score what I want. So sure. it, it, it doesn't matter you know right so your important thing you, you feel that the the cards in here are strong enough that uh it doesn't matter that they're uh diluted because the the strength is kind of universal throughout and it's important to have resources throughout the entirety of the game rather that's, than a run that's shy probably what the... i'm trying to say in a better way <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, i mean you talk specifically about uh coming up short when you're looking for that crucial sidestep and you have uh to that effect you have sidestep which we all know and love. You have Heated Instinct, which is sidestep, but just better if you happen to be a quarry. And we can already see down below, you got some extra quarry tech. You've got a Symbiote's Call, and this is the, uh, it's a sidestep that lets you uh, step onto a, a feature token uh, with an alternate thing of, of flipping an adjacent uh, feature token. Uh, burst from the Shadows, which is uh, choose up to two friendly hunters and push each of those two hexes, which is uh, crazy. Uh, especially since, like you said, you can make Clackrock into a hunter. Um, so th- those are your your friendly pushes. Um, and then uh, I guess uh, I would pause and say Symbiote's Call there. Is that how often do you, w- was it almost always a, a sidestep for you? Did you ever find yourself using it with the other, the uh, the flip option? Um, a, bit, a bit of both. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's that's one of, one of the better cards, in my opinion, in, in this deck. It helped me quite a lot Mm. um you know you can use it in so many different ways if you want to you know let's say sidestep back onto a cover hex um out of range of an opponent or just onto a cover hex to add the extra defense or if you if you um 
team it up with beast trial and sidestep onto another or flip an objective when when an opponent's on it all of those um i was i used them in all those type of type mm. of uh, situations you know and and not to not to mention the <laughs> the most important situation is just to move on to an objective at the end of the turn to score my uh end of the round <laughs> objectives sure so I- uh, yeah, one of the things I, I like in theory about this one, especially though, is uh, uh, is it puts a little extra mental pressure on the opponent where they they can't just say, okay, I'm just going to delve at the last possible moment. They have to be like, well, if Symbiote's call is out there and I delve at the last possible moment, then I, I might not end up, you know, if they're counting on holding two for path to victory or of their own or something like that, and they wait too long to delve. Um, so it just puts a little extra pressure knowing that there's, you know, besides Kijitaka's flip, there's that one as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I think a great one, since a lot of people are fighting over dominant position and such, is uh, Confusion. You've got that in there. Was that uh, was that an early inclusion or something you came to after a while? <laughs> no, that was that was one of the first ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. The last the last game, the last vessel clash, I I didn't bring it, and I I. After the after the clash, that was one of my <laughs> lessons learned. For instance, and, mm-hmm. and I just put it straight back in. You know, it, it's like a it's like a game changer. You know, when it when it works, and other times, mm-hmm. other times it does nothing. But for instance, against uh, Compact, you know, he was jumping on objectives coming forward. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think twice I was able to flip uh, with confusion, deny his glory, and score my own for instance so it it really helped out a lot against rothcorn it's a little bit different but yeah it's still have you have you been including confusion in yours oh yes definitely (laughs) uh as soon as i noted that like delve was going to be important for everybody because they're going to be wanting to be holding feature tokens for defense Mm. i knew just from a denial standpoint that i was going to need confusion because Mm -hmm. I needed a way to get onto those objectives and you don't have a huge amount of enemy pushes anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of manufacture them, but a confusion just gets you both in one go. Sure. Um, and then as, as mentioned, RG already outlined a lot of the other good uses for it. And it's like this card sort of fell out of favor for a while, but I, I think maybe it probably shouldn't have. It's such a strong uh, like board state change to, if somebody cares about being on that token and you can put your fighter on it instead, that's going to really mess up their plans. Well, I, I think you hit it right there is it's if somebody cares about being on tokens. And I think in seasons past, uh, there was a fair percentage of warbands that didn't care. Um, Mm -hmm. but now, now everybody wants to be there for one reason or the other, either you want to be there to hold it or you want to be there for the defensive bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so there's, there's much fewer cases where it's a dead card, right? Yeah. For sure, um, and it gives you another way, another uh, another combo in with Beast Trail, uh, which you have in there. Um, so you could Beast Trail next to somebody, and then confusion onto the objective that they're holding. Uh, Beast Trail being a uh, choose one friendly uh, hunter or quarry with no move or charge tokens uh, that is in an edge hex, and then put them in another edge hex and give them a move move token. Um, now that objectives are uh, barring any movement shenanigans um never on the edge anymore uh it's not quite as bonkers strong as it was you know you, you used to always be able to hop in there but between your uh 
between your skitter and your other power cards, uh, I imagine you, you kind of make uh, good good use of this. You, know, you got plenty of hunters. You have a quarry in there. So um, it was this uh, was this served you well throughout. Oh, I think it's yeah, it's a great card. <laughs> uh, how Just, often did you uh, you talked about being running away a lot with this warband? You often use it for that as well. I, I like to use it to, I guess, yeah obviously get to the other side of the of the board but running away in a sense is i guess let's say against aggressive um opponents you, you scatter your skinks all over the board so they have mm-hmm. to choose do they go this way or this way um you know not lumping them in the little corner <laughs> um but yeah beast trial allows that easy access right to the back of the board for instance if crushes are coming at you or Rothcorn's coming at you, you can just sort of jump to the back and then, you know, possibly confusion onto, onto an objective. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's also, also use it in some, uh, some instances for the reaction. So you can, you can, um, beast trial behind someone, uh, in their, you know, in their power step and after their power step, just jump back or skitter. Mm-hmm. You can skitter back uh, to, just to help your instinctive tactics. Oh, um, sure. Get close enough to skitter and, and trigger that. It's worth worth the glory. Yeah, yeah. So normally, normally I'll have um, talk in the in the back in the back of the warband, right at the back, just sitting there. Uh, I don't really move him <laughs> the entire game. <laughs> he, he just waits. When Beast Trial comes, he'll just appear somewhere else. <laughs> generally, generally speaking. It's yeah. not always him, but yeah, it's most mostly him. Um, let's see. We have uh, we talked about those uh, distractions being rare, but not when you're Star Blood because you have Wanchi's device, which is distraction but better. Um, <laughs> the uh, so you know at its core, it, it is just distraction where you can you one of the options is to uh, pick one enemy fighter and push them one hex. Um, but the other is that you can uh, have them pick was it uh three of their fighters and they have to push each of them they get to pick the direction but they they all have to get pushed yeah um, yeah okay so the the opponent picks three fighters of their warband and that has to push them one hex each Oof. um yeah and if they have three or fewer obviously then it's they just push their whole warband which is rough <laughs> Especially uh, if, if they're on objectives <laughs> yeah 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 uh real real heartbreaker um <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have a version of one of the best cards in the game, only better. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I think the only outlier uh, that we haven't talked about in your in your gambits is uh, Omega's Offering. Um, and this is uh, choose a fighter and put one glory on them, and then when they die, you get to have that glory. Um, who Were you putting this on Skinks, or were you putting this on Clactrock when he was out in a vulnerable position, or who, who did this most often go on, do you think? It, it generally changes, but most of the mm. time it's on Huachi, mm. or, and he's generally the one charging you for the reckless swing, for instance. Okay. So, so or, yeah, I, I guess any Skink that's in, in, in danger, um, mm. you just chuck it on them, uh, and, it, and it kind of deters the opponent from attacking skinks in their territory. Uh, mm. Let's say I run Huachi into their territory, put Amiga's offering on. They kind of leave him alone a little bit because they don't want to give me any glory. <laughs> but then, <laughs> you know, then I'm sitting on an objective 
you know, in the end phase scoring glory anyway. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it just yeah. gives that extra tough decision for the opponent to make. Does he? Sure. <laughs> yeah. He, and then yeah. they're, they're stuck. I mean, best case scenario, you, they, for you is they maybe swing at them. You get omegas, you get everything to prove an underdog or something like that. You know, like it can, can feel, feel rough on the other side. Uh, well, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I, you have reckless, reckless swing. You charge in, oh. <laughs> you chuck omegas offering on, but you have dark sacrifice, for instance, in your hand oh, and man. everything to prove. Um, <laughs> so you're scoring a lot, drawing extra cards, uh, and it, it, it kind of worked out really well. I mean, maybe I was just lucky. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's a solid trade. Uh, Phil, did you have any thoughts on on uh, cards that you thought or you like to include, and that um, so we would figure out uh, the thought process behind uh, leaving off or, or including in? Yeah, so I guess one that I've often used that I don't see that you have is center of attention, and I am curious as to uh, why 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 no love for center of attention. Oh, I love that card. <laughs> too, many, too many cards. Yeah, uh, right. I guess the only one that I would possibly switch for that is Amiga's offering, but mm. um, yeah, or maybe I didn't think about it at the time. I, I don't know. It's it's a good card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't necessarily see anything that's an obvious cut, so I I don't disagree that there's like it's just tough. There's so many good power cards right now, um, but yeah, I mean, I I just, I, I, I just wanted more options to 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 uh annoy the opponent uh for reckless swing for instance and to deter them to you know killing certain skinks that were holding objectives um some i do i do play uh center of tension quite a lot but but not in this deck yeah uh uh, two others that i've sort of sometimes used to kind of go back and forth on and i think we already know why because you said you are just trying to play passive but Punching up and inspired attack both work pretty well uh, in this warband, but like you said, uh, not playing aggressively, so it makes sense to not be including those. Mm. Um, I did have two that I haven't. Yeah, I did did, did have both of those in my last deck that I was I was playing. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. But if Huachi dies, uh, then what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I mean, I've I've. Shockingly, found that Jepic, once he's inspired, can do some interesting things with this. Yeah, uh, and then you got like four or five dice, and when you got to inspire him, and it's a bit harder yeah. to inspire them now, and that's yep. why I kind of went towards the more passive rather than the more aggressive, mm. um, because you needed to inspire him yep. to have the the benefit. Otherwise, it's just he's charging in with, for instance, punching up for two damage. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, great. It's yeah. And it, yeah, I think um, I got caught out a couple of times just having those cards in my hand. And I had to discard them, so um, yeah, I stopped using them. Yeah, no, and it makes sense for your strategy. Um, I guess another staple that I I just think I know why it's not there, but I'd like to hear your reasoning um, is Lords of Space and Time. <laughs> it, too hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Flip, it, flip objectives before you use it. It's it's counterintuitive. I'm already there. Yeah, if I'm yep. already in that position, then I don't need it. <laughs> right. I, I guess you you could, but yeah, and I think that's where Beast Trail makes more sense now. Um, 
it it used to be just an obvious choice right because it was like well yeah i'm just gonna use it to teleport into my opponent's territory we just can't do that very much now <laughs> um now one one card that can potentially set that up but i don't think that you'd necessarily want to do that just for that purpose but uh and one that i haven't tried yet but i've been thinking about is writhing shadows um so for folks who don't know and this is a new one so this one it lets you either flip a feature token in an empty hex and it doesn't have any sort of range restrictions so i think that's what i'm looking at it mostly for or you can roll an attack dice for every fighter that's in a cover hex and on a roll of a smash you deal one damage to that fighter so oh. theoretically you could just ping a whole bunch of fighters i think i'd mostly care about using this to flip tokens though yeah not not even heard about that card <laughs> <laughs> i my my take on it is that uh it it has extra value if you're trying to score surges off of uh holding yep. objectives because it it uh, can speed that up uh, and then if you're suspecting, uh, I, I think if you're doing something like making making a statement where you're trying to hold all in enemy territory, uh, or if, you, if you're starting to encounter counterplay to scant resources, it lets you kind of flip something that's been left alone mm. um, uh, out there. Uh, and I, I basically, I, I just don't see those cards in, by and large in your deck. So it's, it's not, the, the payoff is, is not there. Um, for you in the way that uh, it is for other other warbands. Well, it could help yeah. for other Astro Matrix alignment. Uh, it sure would. I think that's the thing that I'm looking at it for the most part is it's like play a power card, score Astro Matrix. Like it yeah, feels easy. nice. Um, but yeah, so that's one that I had looked at. Um, and then another new one that I haven't tried yet is Shadow Lure. Uh, I think this is just generally less useful than um symbiotes call but it's one i've been considering where you can you so you have to choose a friendly fighter and you can push them one hex towards the nearest cover hex so you don't really get to choose which direction you get pushed but you can probably set that up pretty easily or you can pick the nearest feature token that's in an empty hex and move the token one hex towards your fighter uh the benefit here i think is that you don't have to be adjacent to the hex like you do a symbiotes call but you can't flip and you can't you can only move the token if it's empty so it's sort of like is it good enough i'm not sure i don't know if you've looked at it at all uh honestly i heard it for the first time maybe a couple of days ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> people were talking about it in the chat I'm like, what the hell is that card <laughs> um, I, it, it sounds good but yeah just a little bit weaker symbiote's call yeah. Yeah. yeah i think i think you can find yourself in a, in a bad position too with as much cover as there is on the board uh that you can end up the, the fighter you want to push is already standing on a cover hex and therefore can't yep they're just kind of st stuck with his feet in the thing that is restricting him from actually pushing so yeah any other uh gambits that you uh that were borderline that you thought about including but didn't that do you want to bring up rg not really. I mean, I, I I put this deck together maybe a couple of days before the Vassal Clash, and I, I didn't really. Well, all right. <laughs> and I didn't really uh, think twice about <laughs> what sure. I put in. <laughs> so, Solid. Um, all right. Well, so the uh, the upgrades then we'll we'll uh, kind of run through those. We've got 
uh, I think I see a few themes here. We've got survivability. Uh, we've got uh, turning things into quarry. Um, we've got some weapon bumps uh, so that uh, you can make sure that your skinks are doing things. Um, and then uh, uh, maybe a little bit of offense, a little bit of mobility. So um, some of the standards, they're great fortitude and great strength. It's hard to find a deck that doesn't can't find a use for those. Um, the uh, You said there, I think I see four cards that will turn you into gory. Uh, Four cards yeah. that will turn you into a quarry. So, impressive bulk, silent helm, silent sword, silent ring. I missed anything. Is that about right? That's it. Yeah, there's nothing else. Okay. Uh, so, those, uh, we know the helm uh, is a great defensive boost, uh, especially on something atrocious like Autopodle with a guard token in cover. <laughs> uh, that's that's enough to just say I'm not going to bother swinging. That's uh, the one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fender and Silent Helm onto Otter Paddle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, impressive bulk. You're you're fairly uh, speedy, and you're getting a lot of your mobility off of pushes. So the the bulk uh, is plus one wound, minus one move, but become a quarry, which can um, uh, help you out with your lion weight. Yeah, uh, yeah, and also heated instinct uh, plays off of that. Yep, and everything to prove. That's right. Sure. Um, the uh, the survivabilities here. There's so uh, dominant defender, and this is where if you're holding an objective, you're on guard, which is uh, which is always solid. And then it has uh, occasionally you will you'll uh, manage to pick up um, pick up primacy by rolling a crit. Uh, or even maybe more rarely lose primacy if you already have it and you don't roll a success. Yeah. Um, but uh, relatively rare in my experience. Do you do you find those bottom parts of the card uh, coming to play all that often? Or oh, when you put it on autopattle, it's generally the crit that pops up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. hardly hardly ever. Uh, well, yeah, once in a in a while you get the the filed um, the filed defense. Uh, mm. I don't really find that I hold the <laughs> hold the primacy that that often. So, <laughs> right, yeah, I uh, I distinctly remember uh, having this reaction block a rip a bite, which I was counting on to uh, get me back in a game. I think uh, Spike Claw was standing on something, so not only did I not hit because he critted the defense, but I did not have my uh, backup of the of the bite to follow up. So. Uh, when this goes, this can sometimes be uh, especially backbreaking because you uh, you lose your you know, the, the other guy picks up primacy and you it blocks a, a crucial reaction. Um, so uh, also especially because uh, that crit not only have you defended, but um, you know I, I brought up the wolf bite, but that's the same window that is a lot of the uh, after a failed attack action make another attack action. So um, that uh, that can that can be a, a big swing on some real important uh, attacks there. Yeah. Um, you have, uh, well, one way that you can more reliably pick it up is Proud Runner, so plus one move. And then if you end uh, five or more away from where you started, you can just grab uh, uh, grab Primacy. Um, so if you're not sitting on Underdog, then uh, you can just use this to, to scoop it up. I, I like this inclusion a lot in this deck. Also, just trying to steal primacy at the end of the round, you know, mm -hmm. it's yep. that extra glory. Um, mm -hmm. 
to get that total glory for the deck up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that extra little bit to run does actually help out quite a bit to get to the sure. other side of the board, especially for Astromatrix alignment. Um, but most of the everything else, I just need two two objectives to score, so I can just hang everyone else if I need to in my own mm-hmm. um, in my own board and have one person run off onto the other yeah. board. <laughs> <laughs> Run around on the baseline. He, uh, there's unfeeling resilience in there, and this is uh, reduced incoming damage by one. Um, I, every every warband we see this in, it's a really solid pick, and no exception here. Um, I remember when this warband first came out, I was like, ah, I, you know, there's one guy you wanted on, and that's Clacktrock. In practice, that has not been the case at all. Like he, Clacktrock certainly makes great use of this, especially once he's inspired. Then he's like. Uh, defending on two block and you're doing less damages feels terrible, but uh, I've seen this go down, especially with your wound upgrades. You know, some you get a wound upgrade on on Kishitaka or something, and have this, and all of a sudden he's gonna all of a sudden it takes you know a couple of attacks to even uh, get through Kishitaka, which feels real bad from the other side. <laughs> yeah, and to to deny the the um, the opponent, for instance, if you if you're charging a skink in there and their their attacker does two damage. You chuck mm. this on, um, just helps helps deny that that surge or uh, not surge the the primacy, yeah, something like that. Right, and there's but, there's uh, definitely some decks out there that are counting on the ability to pick up primacy, or they uh, are are counting on having primacy at the end. So this gives them counterplay to that, uh, making sure that they can't leverage those. Uh, there's one inclusion here, heaven blessed weapon, which I, it's relatively rare to see. It's, a uh, uh, on range one attacks, uh, plus one dice and knockback one, uh, to that fighters, uh, range one attack actions. Uh, this looks to be in direct competition with, uh, augmented limbs, uh, augmented limbs being the plus one dice, but also turning somebody into quarry. So, uh, the, here you're, you're valuing knockback one over the quarry. Did you did you find knockback one was important or what was the what was the thought there? Um, augmented limbs is, is a really good card, yeah. and and the reason the reason for the knockback is 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 this. Um, so when I longboard, I'll just I'll generally go the amber amber trap nest, mm. and and that's got the two lethals, mm. so facing the other board. <clears throat> so basically, if a Rothcorn has to come in and charge through the two lethals uh, to get to whoever he's going for, and where where he charged um, Kixitaka, killed him, for instance, I was able to put Heaven Blessed Weapon onto Clacktrock um, and basically smack him for four damage. Mm. Um, although it didn't <laughs> it didn't help much because the next next attack which i had silent sword i missed <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then the very next round he drew tough and hide and uh oh, yeah and, and some healing cards yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but but that would in in that case you know uh, you could you could you could kill a uh, four wound fighter really easily with with that because mm. um, people don't tr- tend tend to try and um, i mean when they charge in they're not going to put themselves in in a position to uh, it will in front of a lethal right, so they're going to try and put themselves somewhere else. Um, so if you're charging clacktrock around the corner to push them in a way that they get some knockback into the lethal, is is really the point of that card? Mm. Um, 
and 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 that's it. Other than that, uh, augmented limbs probably would have worked really well as well because sure. of the, the the quarry mechanic addition. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and to be fair, though, you do have a fair amount of other sources of quarry in here, so uh, that's pretty solid. Uh, we've talked about Silent Ring giving you that extra card draw. Um, Silent Sword and Soul Tooth Net. You talked about. I think Soul Tooth Net is a is a great pick. It's uh, it's real nice into crushes. Uh, it's real nice into Hrothgorn, who you're expecting to see um, a, a fair amount of. So I think those are some some uh, great pickups. Um, any further thoughts on your upgrades here, or any uh, edge case ones that you thought about but didn't uh, couldn't quite find the room for? Uh probably any additional strength upgrades or any other <laughs> wound upgrades. Uh, scavenger armor, for instance, but scavenger armor is, I guess, getting someone over to the other side, which generally uh, I wasn't going there as often if I'm sitting mm. back drawing cards. <clears throat> um, but yeah, a Soultooth net, when it works, it, win- it wins games. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I think, I think, the two games, yeah, that I played, uh, Heretic in the, the Vassal Clash, um, that that card, I think, won me both of those games. But uh, I also played him in Straight Out of Shadespire, <laughs> <laughs> and and the worst part of that is, <laughs> I, I sold tooth netted him again, <laughs> <laughs> and also gave him a wound a move token uh, again in in consecutive rounds oh, no. um, with his Rothgorn. <laughs> so round one and round two, he was basically immobilized. Um, He's just reliving the nightmare again. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, yeah, this was Can't escape it. <laughs> I think he really hates that card at the moment, <laughs> but I think that card won me that game as well, to be honest. So three games against Rothcorn or one with uh soul tooth net, because the, the, the game ended on 17 all with me oh on an objective gosh. again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you just figure one, you know, a couple more activations from Hrothgorn and he's probably got that difference of one glory there. I mean, one, one round he was inspired, I think, and one round he could move and mm. he still scored 17 glory. Yeah. Jeez. Pretty, pretty <laughs> serious <laughs> stuff. Uh, Bill, so- and you, oh. Go ahead. Yeah, so Soultooth Net, was that something you had just included right off the bat, or was it something you sort of stumbled upon later on? No, this this has been since Barblade Net back in the day. I, I've always included something like this um, for the big boys, and you know, for crushes, for rippers, for Rothcorn, for Molog. Uh, it it just you know, if you've got rippers and you you Soultooth Net one of them. Uh, they, they lose an activation. <laughs> yeah, yeah you sure know. do. And it's 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 frustrating. It's infuriating. Ask uh, <laughs> <laughs> Heretic. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's really hard. It's it's really hard to play. I mean, what what do you yeah. do? Your 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 main breadwinner is is immobilized. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like- the kind of card when it goes down and you've you know if you got the one one good one very important fighter on your side and that that card goes down you just like start feeling that cold sweat 
but yeah. but even said that, I really like your comment about uh, taking an activation off the board for Rippos because often I've lost one of the Rippos, uh, one of the Snarl Fangs. And I'm like, well, I can still do a fair amount of work with two. I, I have a way to engineer, you know, with a sidestep, I can get two activations out of Rippa and stab it's going to get me one more. And, uh, and then a card like this brings you from, you know, three quality activations in a given round down to, down to just two. Mm. Like, oh, that really stinks. Um, <laughs> so it, even if, even if there isn't just like one world beater out there, it's, it's pretty strong. Uh, Phil, what, uh, any, any thoughts, any questions about, uh, this, any, uh, inclusions based on your experience? I think these all make a lot of sense. Um, especially getting impressive bulk in there. It's one I've, I'm planning to put into my deck, uh, as I need more Corey stuff. Uh, I haven't used silent sword yet, but maybe that one goes into, um, one that I've been running for a while and I don't know, I'm, maybe you've considered it as well as formidable defense. So gives plus one defense, but minus one tier attacks. Um, any consideration there that I think was, that actually also makes you a quarry. <laughs> that, that, that card is always, uh, do I take it? Do I not? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, in this case I went for the, the silent package and the, mm. the upgrades though, sorry, the, the wound upgrades rather than the defense upgrades. So that, right. that was the, the thinking silent helms. And um, I did want a little bit of, oh, if, if I put silent sword onto someone, I didn't want them to lose an attack, for instance. Uh, yeah, sure. right. So, yeah. But that that, that card is, it, it jumps in and out of my decks. <laughs> yep, no, it makes sense. And then I think the only other one that I've been using that it's not, seeing in here is quickening greaves um which i've actually found it to be less useful lately um i don't think that's maybe just because there's fewer distractions these days has that been your experience as well um i totally forgot about quickening greaves and that's one that i <laughs> put in into my objective holding decks um but yeah it's it's definitely one that i it regularly jumps in in and out of my decks as well but uh yeah didn't make yeah there's fewer distractions and then also it's got the the problem that um you take that step after uh dells have happened so um it's hampered in that way uh i was putting in the grimwatch deck i've been happy with that but that's because they have some uh abilities like the uh i want to blank on it now with the there's the uh the death card that is good for holding um cover hexes in uh friendly mm-hmm. and enemy and then you take a damage or whatever but there there there's a, a play case where you get to take that one step and it's still useful even if you don't get to delve so right i think that's uh something that works a little against that card at the at this exact moment so mm. yeah uh that's it that's the that's the deck uh any any overall thoughts? I mean, it, it, it sounds like you played uh, this deck and then a very similar deck uh, at uh, uh, the um, straight out of Shadespire. Are there is there any changes you feel like you you would have made? Uh, or obviously, results speak for themselves. You're pretty pretty happy with it. Uh, yeah, probably not. To be honest, uh, mm. I 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't actually know what I would change. I think if new cards came out, obviously uh, I'd change. Balance the cosmic equation, maybe I'll change it for something. Mm. Uh, I don't know what, though. Um, sure. yeah, Lion weight would have been the one that I, I got rid of, but I scored it pretty much every time, probably. <laughs> so, you know, I think after the tournament, I feel better at, about it than before. So That's cool. Um, I, I think all of the all of the cards had their uses, so and they all sure. they were all useful in some way over the game. So, yeah, nothing. It'll be nothing. interesting to see if a a, a far list uh, comes out how much because you are currently only sitting on one restricted. the The only restricted card in this deck is Proud Runner. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if there's any additional work needs to be done after after the far drops. Um, sure everything to prove will be in there yeah uh, scant resources maybe uh, i would be shocked if contest of equals doesn't get restricted i, th I think that's uh that's we're right, seeing yeah. that contest of equals um, all over the place possibly so. even astro matrix alignment mm. <laughs> mm, right um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it'll definitely change i would say <laughs> so uh for, for the two of you as as being uh starbuck players if, if there's somebody who Here's this, and they're saying like, ah, maybe I'll give these guys a spin. You got any uh, advice to, to somebody if they really want to figure out how to crack this poor band open? Uh, what where they should focus their attention or their uh, their lessons learned? Oh, I probably wouldn't start off with this deck as a new player. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, it's, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah, with, with the skittish. I, I I guess just learn uh, learn how to use the skittish. Mm. Um, and then obviously you're charging when you're charging charge to where you can skittish back onto objectives um, mm. and think about where you want to go after the charge um, and, and things like that. So, but it, it, it just depends like the, the deck can be used in so many different, I mean, the, the war band can be used in so different, so many different ways. If you want to hold objectives, if you want to be aggressive, if you want to be hybrid, it just depends on your play style really and what you like. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to give <laughs> specific, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think I would say that like if if you are going to want to try and play this warband, start first by deciding what play style you want to do, because mm. that will then sort of give you that direction for how you want to figure everything else out. Yeah, um, yeah. Like if you just go okay this deck won a tournament i'm gonna grab it but then you don't realize that the play style needs to be more passive hold objectives you're gonna run into trouble mm. um, <laughs> definitely <laughs> <laughs> um so i think knowing your play style ahead of time is really important uh like we said understanding how to use skittish because it's not intuitive um there's a lot of weird tricks you can do with it and so positioning ends up being you have to be thinking a couple of steps ahead for the positioning. Um, I think something that we maybe didn't talk a lot about, but is fairly obvious from looking at your cards, at least to someone who's familiar with how these guys work, is that your skinks are a resource. You can use them sacrificially, um, either just by dangling them out to your opponents for something like, hey, I know I need cards, so I'm just going to charge with a skink to set up dark sacrifice mm. like that's that's a play where you can be doing it intentionally but your opponent maybe doesn't know it um 
So learning how to like realize when that's the appropriate thing to do, I think is important. Um, and then in a similar sense, Clacktrock, like he's your bruiser, but I found this actually, or learned this lesson, I guess, back from playing eyes is that your big bruiser doesn't have to be a big bruiser. He can just be a threat of being a big bruiser, right? <laughs> yeah. As long as he's there on the board, your opponent is threatened by it and will be distracted by it. So even if you don't really care what happens with Clacktrock, you can affect your opponent's game plan just by putting him forward. Um, I've had plenty of games where people focus a ton on Clacktrock in rounds one and two to kill him. And I'm just like, great, good. Now I get to go hold objectives. Wonderful. You completely <laughs> left my skinks alone. I guess so I think I guess, those are yeah. those are sort of my maybe easy rules of thumb for this warband. I, I think everything else becomes pretty hard to give specific. Yeah, uh, I, th tips. I think I think really if you're going into a tournament of best of three, you you need to know the story of the deck. Like you said, what is the story? What are you trying to do? Don't be aggressive in a passive deck, for instance. Um, and, you know, the big things is uh, choose your boards before the tournament. Know which boards you're going to place. Mm, yeah. How are you going to mm. place your boards? What's your strategy going to be with a board? I mean, um, for me, I was always going to longboard everyone uh, with Amberbone, Ambertrap Nest. That was my longboarding um, board. And what did I use? What was the other one? Uh, Soul Refractor as my defensive board. So mm. because I'm playing a defensive uh, game, Soul Refractor is my defensive um, board. I can use and manipulate the board to put fighters, you know, where I want so that, you know, the block hexes can't attack, you know. Um, I'm pushing enemy fighters out of range so that they can't attack me around blocked hexes and things like this. This is um, uh, Soul Refractor being the one with the three blocked hexes kind of arranged in a triangle in the middle? Is that that's the, the one, yeah. And yeah, especially yeah. if they ranged fighters, it, it just... My skinks can just hide around, you know, mm. run around those things. Mm. Um, and my third board was Menace of Binding. Um, mm. It's It was basically a good long boarding board, or if I lost the last roll off, I'll, I'll use it as a front on board. Mm. Um, either way, the, there's the strategy, know your strategy before you go on into the play. I'm going to use these boards automatically. Uh, I don't have to think, waste the time uh, of choosing boards, you know, sure. during yeah, the yeah. thing. Um, and also, when you, when you start, uh, understand the objective, I mean, the placement of objectives. Generally, I know um, Amber, Amber Trap Nest, where uh, the opponent's going to place the the objective to put in, put in, be in the worst spot for me, so... I'm already ready for that. I already, mm -hmm. already know where I'm going to put my cover hexes in a sort of defensive position, possibly in a position where I can knock them back into a lethal or something like that if they're coming in. Mm -hmm. um, so all these little things just help speed up the game, I, I guess, uh, and also knowing which, which hex is generally going to be um, for which fighter. Um, you know, it does change depending on the warband you're playing against, but, you know, 
Sure. Yeah. I, I can say that, uh, again, you know, I've, I've talked a fair amount in the past few episodes about, uh, trying to learn Grimwatch, And that is one of the things I'm, I'm still weakest at as it comes to deployment. And I don't have that mapped out in my head, uh, and frequently get to the end of deployment and be like, Oh no, like I've, I've messed up. Now I've got this fighter is out of position because I've used up all the spaces or, or some such. And, uh, I can feel that difference between a warband that I've played a lot and I have a really strong sense of where I'm going to want people and one that I haven't, you know. Mm. Yeah, and and it just saves you time during the tournament as well. Instead of thinking about it there, you, you kind of already know because mm. uh, you only got 90 minutes or whatever you got to right, right. play, so you don't want to waste that time. Uh, I know I've, you know, <laughs> played a couple of games and then the last game you have to finish in 10 minutes so you're rushing <laughs> and you're making silly mistakes <laughs> sure buy yourself buy yourself some uh thought cycles for the things that matter exactly yeah yeah, yeah. but right. apart from that i guess yeah like you say it's a bit hard to give specific details <laughs> sure no that makes sense um with the uh uh any uh, straight out of Shadesburg, uh, we, we really focused on the Vassal Clash, but any, uh, and we, we talked about, uh, uh, was it Heretic getting to relive his, his, uh, soul tooth net nightmares, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, uh, any other, uh, notable moments that, uh, you can think about from, uh, straight out of Shadespire that you'd want to share before we, uh, close it up? Oh, no, it, it was really that. <laughs> 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 I think I did have some pretty close games uh, against um, was it Mandaga's uh, Coven Blade Coven and Iron Skulls <laughs> mm. um, and Vel's Crushes, but uh, he seems to have a curse against me of not rolling anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rough. <laughs> so so yeah, he gets mad every time he plays. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Vel. Shout out to Vel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was a good. Those straight out of Shay's pies are really, are really one of the things that kept me going through and keep kept me in in this game because uh, we don't really have much of a scene here in in, in Australia or in Perth, at least. Mm. Um, there's there's uh, there's no one I play against. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's at least some kind of competitive play. Uh, mm. that, that um, you know it used to be every month but now it's a little bit a little bit less but yeah alright hey Phil any last thoughts here before we uh, sign it off I don't think so I think we I think we had a good good talk alright well uh, RG uh, it, it sounds like you're uh, you're uh, a presence to be played online. People can find you uh, on the discords. Uh, got anything else you want to shout out? Any projects or anything like that? Or is, uh, is that the place to find you? Yeah, that's, that's it. That's okay. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, we are also on those discords uh, or you can get us uh, at WTH cast or what the heck's cast at gmail.com. Um, obviously we're part of a greater mortal realms network and you can check that out at the mortal realms.com. Uh, we'll have a link actually. I just, uh, didn't mention it before um, on this episode, but we we do have a, a survey out there. If you're a listener, we'd love your feedback. Um, you, it's just kind of a gift you're giving us as a, as a few minutes of your time, uh, but it's uh, really valuable to us. Give us a, a better sense of going forward. And we've got a lot of responses already. Really appreciate those who have. If you haven't, just uh, take a couple minutes, 
click it in the show notes and uh, help us out. Really appreciate it. Um, we want to say thanks to the Mortal Realms Network as a as a whole, and uh, also to uh, our patrons. I think we got a new one. Is uh, Omni Ops is uh, uh, putting in, so that's pretty awesome too. Uh, coming up, we'll depend on what we see on the way. We've got a couple ideas, but uh, we're always keeping an eye on the on the horizon for some black sales. See if the uh, uh, see if the the pirate ogre shows up, and we get to uh, chat about him. Uh, in the meantime, we got a little recommend listening for you. It's uh, Cold Blooded Angels. That's from uh, Baroness from their Golden Gray. Uh, for what the heck's, I've been Davey. This is Phil. This is RG. recordings we don't need to worry about that